Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the CX Cast. This is your host, Jenny Wise. And this week, I am joined by principal analyst on the customer experience team, Gina Ballwalker. Hey, Gina. Hi, Jenny. So you are about to publish some new research on design teams. And so I'd love on this episode to sort of answer the question, you know, what is the state of design teams, right? What are they working on? How do we see them evolving? And so maybe to get started, we can level set a little bit. And so I'd love to just ask you, sort of when we think about design teams, what's included in that scope, right? Who makes up the design team in an organization? Absolutely. So it, it's interesting, Jenny, because I think the answer to that question is, is continuing to evolve as we see companies putting an increased focus on understanding and improving the user experience of their products and services. They're investing in these, in these teams that, that focus on design more than ever. So we're kind of seeing the profession of, of design that's kind of traditionally been known as, as user experience start to bridge into other disciplines as, as well. Traditional responsibilities of experience design teams include things like interaction design, defining the look and feel of a product or experience, conducting design research, such as usability testing or customer interviews, both to inform requirements and also evaluate design ideas. But in recent years, and, and what we saw as part of this research, we're seeing that design teams are starting to bridge towards disciplines like product strategy. So actually getting more involved in defining what do our products and services even need to do in the first place, bridging towards disciplines like customer experience by adopting methods like journey mapping to not just think about, you know, how should I design this feature or these screens for this discrete experience, but what is the broader end-to-end -end journey in which these experiences are serving the customer. So it, it's, it's evolving and it, it's changing. And I, I think the report, we, we really lay out what some of those key shifts are. Yeah, that's great. And I think it was very well answered. I almost feel like it's a trick question. <laughs> it does evolve so much. And I know even we have some conversations internally about this, right? Is it a UX team, right? Is it design? Is it experience design? Because that sort of broadens the scope of it. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, actually, as part of this research, we, we had some of the design teams that we interviewed tell us that they've actually shifted the, the name of their team to help shift the organizational perspective of what a, a design function is responsible for. So for example, you know, I spoke with a bank that used to refer to them, themselves as digital UX design, and they're now referred to as the experience design organization. And the intention there is to reflect that they do focus on the end-to-end -end experience. It's not just digital. It's not, not just discrete products or services. It's really focusing on the more, you know, kind of holistic experience that, that customers are having with them. So it's quite interesting. Yeah, I love that. And it's not to say that those other roles don't still exist, right? Like UX is still a practice and design is a practice, but calling it experience design helps create this perception of the, that end-to-end, -end, as you mentioned, and that larger scope of responsibilities and can encompass those other functions as well. Absolutely. Yes. 
Cool. So you mentioned you spoke with some companies for this. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the sort of research methodology that went into this piece of research. Sure. So there were a couple of key inputs to this research. First is our team runs an annual state of design teams survey. So that was the, the first input. We ran this survey at the very end of 2019. We ran the similar survey in 2018. So we were able to, to actually trend some of the data and, and we can talk about you know, some of the key changes we saw there. The other input was we did uh, qualitative research. We did interviews with design leaders at various organizations. So 35 design leaders total informed this research. And the goal there was to dig into some of the trends that we saw in the data. So, you know, for example, changes in terms of where design is reporting. So we talked to, you know, design leaders to understand how, you know, the organizational fit of their team has changed over time and to gather kind of examples and insights into why, why we're seeing some of those, those trends pop out in the survey. Great. So then let's dive into the trends. <laughs> I'm curious to hear what these were. So you mentioned that this is a survey that's sort of conducted yearly. So we can see how things are evolving within design teams. And so I'm curious to know, what have you seen change? Or then also just sort of from those calls that you had with the companies, what sort of key things stood out as trends that are happening within design functions and organizations? Right. So the, the first trend we saw, which I think is is arguably one of the, the most important ones that we call out in the report is the expanding scope and influence of experience design organizations. We asked a question in the survey where we said, what are the types of projects that you're working on? What are the types of decisions that you're informing at your company? And this year we had 61% of design teams tell us that they influence strategic decisions. These are decisions like, what do our various products and services need to do? And over a third of design teams told us that they even influence big picture decisions, like how should we grow and change as a business? And that's really interesting because, again, historically, we found that design teams were very focused on what should our product and service look and feel like, you know, kind of that perception that, you know, product defines the requirements and then design creates the pretty pictures. Um, and, you know, when we did the interviews, uh, we had many design leaders actually say things like that. They would say things like, you know, design used to be perceived as our company as the team that creates the pretty pictures. Now, design is the team that helps us determine and set the right priorities. And so our survey data reflects that shift again, because we're you know, we're seeing that these teams are elevating their impact, focused on contributing at, to these higher altitude decisions that their leaders um, are trying to, to make at their organizations. So that's, that's one trend that's, um, I think, particularly interesting and I, I think will we'll continue to increase in the coming years. That's exciting. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited to hear that. <laughs> it, it is exciting, but it, it, there are certain things that, of course, design teams need to do in order to kind of seize on this opportunity. The fact that design is getting a lot of attention and that they're being asked to contribute in new ways. Because I think if you talk to any design leader, and, and we talk to many of them, they'll tell you that they're constantly struggling to just keep up with the demand as it pertains to, you know, the, the work that kind of 
help them establish, you know, and cement their their value in the first place. Kind of that, you know, help us help us design what this feature should look like and what it should do. Those sorts of of challenges. So that leads to another trend. I thought I would mention, Jenny, that we've been tracking for a couple of years now. We are seeing design teams invest in the tools that are necessary to scale design, thus freeing up opportunity for them to contribute and and kind of seize on the opportunities that I was just talking about. One example of that is design systems. This year, we had 50% of our survey respondents tell us that they are using design systems within their team. And when we asked them, are you using those more or less than two years ago, 74% said that they are using design systems more than two years ago. So there's this a growth in adoption and I think growth in recognition that design systems are a key tool to get really efficient at scaling good design decisions and thus freeing up time for the design team to solve new challenges and to act on, you know, kind of the the new questions that are that are coming their way and these new opportunities to contribute at higher altitudes within their organizations. So that's another trend that is interesting and I think we'll see those numbers continue to go up next year as well. Yeah. I know I know I've heard a lot of design teams talk about design systems, I feel, much more than I have in the past. And I know you cover it, right? So you must hear about this so much more as well. But it's interesting because for a long time it felt as though design teams were still trying almost to prove themselves, right? Everyone knew that the design was really important, but it was almost trying to prove its value by working in these more sort of reactive, visual, or research type of projects. And now it's finally getting to the place where companies realize, hey, design can do so much more than this. And then the designers have to respond by going, yes, we can, but right, we need these tools in place to enable us to sort of flex and scale into these other other decisions and strategy making roles. Absolutely. Because I mean, recognize, of course, that these teams, these great design organizations that we talked to for this research, they're still continuing to deliver on that traditional focus. They're still working on improving digital task flows. You know, they're they're still working on, you know, conducting ongoing usability testing of experiences to, you know, identify opportunities to improve. That work is is of course not going away and it's still core to what they do. Design systems help because it, it solves for that fatigue that we see with designers of, you know, not reinventing the wheel every time a new challenge comes up about how should we lay out this form or how should we design the a login box or structure our navigation. You know, they want to take advantage of the fact that another designer at the company has already solved that. And the way that you do that is, you know, you document the the design pattern, you document the guidelines, you even create the reusable components that can be applied across experiences. And that just frees up a tremendous amount of time, not just for designers, but for other roles as well, like uh, developers and, and content authors too. So it's no surprise that we're seeing increased adoption of design systems. And it, it is a very, a very hot topic right now. Yeah, great. Okay, so they have this sort of elevated role. They're investing in design systems so that they can sort of deliver on this demand and also sort of not reinvent the wheel and be able to turn their attention to new problems. What are some of the other sort of changes or trends that you found in this research? Sure. So another one was we see teams really elevating design research. Of course, design research is not a, 
a new thing. Um, our colleague Kelly Price writes uh, extensively about trends that we're seeing in that space. But what was interesting in our survey this year is we saw we saw a jump, saw a jump in the number of teams that are reporting that they hire specialists to conduct research. 21% jump actually from 2018. So what that tells us is that more companies are recognizing that research is a distinct discipline that's worth investing in. And so that, you know, again, was quite interesting. They're hiring these, these dedicated specialists, really kind of upping their game as far as customer research is concerned. And at the same time, we also saw in the data that they're continuing to scale their use of just foundational research tools. We're seeing very heavy adoption of foundational tools like like journey maps. Ninety percent of respondents saying they're using journey maps. Seventy eight percent of you know, our, our respondents saying that they use personas and then thirty eight saying that they use the jobs to be done framework, which went up significantly from twenty eighteen. So that's a kind of another interesting aspect to that. But I would say just in general, more investment in research and research tools was one of the one of the trends that we saw this year. Another another one um, that I think will probably be interesting to a lot of the the podcast listeners because I know we have a lot of CX leaders um, who probably who probably are are tuning into this episode. More companies are working to bridge the the CX and UX divide. Um, we're seeing a increased focus on this particular um, uh, trend, and and the reason why we're seeing that that increased focus is there's more overlap happening between the responsibilities of of CX and UX teams in organizations. That probably isn't too surprising if you were listening to what we said about 10 minutes ago, because as UX is elevating their role in the organization. They're using tools like journey mapping more, something that CX teams also are relying on heavily. That's kind of a key, a key tool in their tool, toolkit. At the same time, and our colleague Angelina Jenis has, has written about this in our state of CX teams report, CX teams are really excited about design. One of the top skills that they're hiring for is people skilled in design thinking. So you can see there's like this interesting overlap that's beginning to happen. There's more convergence in terms of, you know, the the levels at which these teams are operating in their organizations. And it's forcing that conversation in many cases around how do we work together most effectively? And Angelina and Janice and I are doing research on this right now. And we're finding that, you know, companies are are actually starting to progress well here. We're we're seeing CX and UX leaders start to partner more and really define what are the unique roles and responsibilities of each group and recognizing that we all have the same objective, which is, you know, helping the customer and, and helping the organization be more customer centric. How can we partner together to achieve achieve those common goals? Yeah, and I think what you just said there at the end is is like a really good point which is that it makes sense because these teams have a very similar mission, right? <laughs> Who is our customer? What are they doing? How do they, how do they perceive their interactions with us? And how do we improve what those are? But they weren't always functioning in the same way. But one of the things, you know, when we look at the sort of where design teams live is that sometimes design is, you know, reporting into IT, right? Or part of a product organization. 
I'm curious as to from the conversations that you had for this research, or maybe some of the data in the survey, was there any insight into sort of the reporting structure? Are CX and UX reporting into one another or the same place? Or is there still this sort of distributed model? Yeah, so this is actually one of my favorite data points to track. <laughs> because, you know, we we are starting to see and again, it goes back to everything we talked about at the, at the beginning. If you're a UX team sitting in IT, it's going to be very hard for you to elevate your impact to, you know, focusing on product product strategy. So many of the design leaders we interviewed said, you know, we have actively worked to move our organization out of IT elsewhere in the in the company, particularly over to the business or over to CX, for example. So what we saw this year is that the number of design teams that report into IT, only 6%. And that plummeted pretty significantly from, from last year. Meanwhile, where do the rest of them report? It, it is kind of evenly distributed between CX, product, marketing. In banks, for example, it's very common for them to report into like a digital channels group. But the one, I would say marketing, product channels that remain pretty consistent 2018 to, to 2019. CX jumped pretty significantly this year. So this year we had 25% of respondents saying they report into CX. Last time we ran this survey, it was only 10%. At first that surprised me. And then when we started doing doing the interviews, we we found that there's a couple things happening there. In some cases, there actually, you know, is a movement of the design team, like a, a reorganization where design moves under customer experience. But in other cases, what's happening there is that the organization doesn't have a mature design competency and the customer experience leader in the organization recognizes that design is a key competency for delivering great CX and actually is the one who forms um, forms the design organization. So naturally that organization is, re is reporting into the CX leader. So there's there's different things going on there, but I think it's, it's definitely very clear that as experienced design teams expand their scope and elevate their role in companies sitting in IT, not necessarily the best place for, for them to be doing that. And, and so, you know, we're seeing more alignment with the, with the, with the business and that's been, you know, one of the one of the key changes from a reporting perspective. Yeah, that's great. And that's really good trending data. <laughs> I, I loved hearing that and how it's evolved. And I guess it's, you know, not surprising, as you mentioned, based on sort of the factors that are creating this shift and also sort of the role of design expands. That that drop in IT though, you went from what, 21% to 6%. Yeah, it's you know, it's interesting. And I, you know, we you and I both, Jenny, we're talking to to design leaders, you know, on on pretty much a, a daily basis. And and yeah, there's there's just not as many design teams I I talk to these days that are that are sitting within IT organizations. But again, I think it's, you know, they're obviously still working with IT closely as a partner, but that expanded scope, you know, they they also need to be close to the business and close to other areas of the organization as well. You know, and that's where I think a big piece of advice to anyone sort of in this field is that no matter where you're sitting, right, you still have to have hooks into the other parts of the organization because the output of anything that you're working on is going to have an impact on, right, on product, on channel, on operations, on employees. So it's really important to have that sort of broad connection across the organization. Absolutely. 100%. 
And I mean, one of the most common collaborations that we're seeing in our research right now between design teams and IT, we talked about it earlier, is design systems. The organizations with really mature design systems, that is 100% a partnership between the experience design organization and the development or engineering organization. So as you point out, those connections and those tight relationships are, are still there. It's just the reporting structures we're definitely seeing evolve over time. Right, right. And sort of talking about that collaboration, I know you have a few more trends to get to, but one that I think is really interesting that I wanted to make sure we could talk about on this episode is the types of skills that you're seeing on design teams, right? One of the shifts that you mentioned was, you know, this new focus on research design and sort of acknowledging this as sort of a very specific discipline, sort of moving perhaps from a generalist approach to UX to a more sort of specialized approach. But in addition to those types of sort of hard skills and tactical skills, there are some other skills that you mentioned in this report that you see sort of rising within the design team. Could you talk a little bit about what sort of some of those are? Yeah. So we're still seeing experienced design leaders hire, hire for, for, for craft, as, as you were just mentioning, some of those skills, Jenny. But we're also seeing this recognition that in order to be successful in this expanded scope and kind of elevated impact that we've been talking about in the episode today, it requires other soft skills, if you will. The skills that bubbled up in our survey, there were four of them. One is strong collaboration. That may seem like a no-brainer, but it's actually incredibly important. So design leaders told us that when they hire designers now, they are not just hiring designers, you know, under the assumption they're going to be sitting at their desk, you know, sitting and working in design tools all day. They're leading collaborative design sessions. They're leading design sprints. They're moderating co-creation sessions, bringing stakeholders into the process. So they have to have experience you know, with those sort of collaborative exercises that are really core to, to how design is done these days. Another one is storytelling. So actually, you know, being able to say, you know, coming out of a design project, how did we actually impact the company in a positive way? How did we make a difference for customers and, and bring that to, to life? So that those stories can be shared across the organization, which of course helps, you know, continue to cement the value of, of the design function. And then the last two were business fluency. I think most people are probably thinking about this. There's a recognition in the design field right now that designers need to become more fluent in the language of business, understand the KPIs that are important to their organization. And then also proven experience being a change agent. So, you know, design leaders are looking, looking for people who can't, you know, they're, they don't just get the work done, but they're able to be those evangelists for design within the company and kind of continue to cement the value and expand the, the reach and the value that, that design can give back to the company. So I'm curious to hear, you know, when we talk about these, I was like, for anyone who's been listening to this for a while, and you know, this probably isn't a surprise uh, for you, but I used to sort of feel bad for the practice of design because not only do you have to have this amazing skill set, right, which is a sort of very specialized skill set that you spend a lot of time on, but you also have to have all of these other skills that it almost feels like are necessary to convince others of your skill set. But what I think I've now sort of come around to and accepted, and this research is showing, is that a lot of what design does is like so strategic, 
right? And it is something that's going to be sort of not handed off to others, but collaborated collaborated on with others to sort of drive that action and bring it to reality, that that's why these skills are so, so necessary, right? Because of the guidance that's going to come out of it and the collaboration that's going to be required to bring that guidance into action. And I know that has made me feel better about telling designers that they need sort of all of these skill sets above and beyond just being awesome at designers, right? Right. Well, and I I think it's also important too, if you're a design leader listening to this, you're not necessarily going to find or, and you don't need to find that full mix of skills in every person you hire. A really cool example I saw recently was Figma's design team. They published an article on Medium about their hiring process. So their design team was going through a lot of growth. They sat down and they said, what are the important skills, both craft and otherwise, that we need to have represented in the team? And they created this visual with all of those skills. And then they mapped each existing team member onto that visual so they could see where are we really strong today? And then where do we have gaps that we need to fill with the new folks that we're hiring into the organization? And I thought that was just, just a really good way to approach it. And also recognizing that you know, not everyone on the team should, you know, look the same, come from the same background, have the same mix of skills. Diversity of skills is incredibly important. And having an intentional way of thinking about that is is really useful if you're building or scaling a design team. Yeah, I love that example, right? The advice here isn't to find the unicorn, which I think is what I have such, a, such an aversion to. It is to collectively as a team, right, be able to sort of have this influence and have all of those skills. Well, Gina, thank you so much for walking through some of the findings from the research. I always think it's so interesting to see how the design team is evolving, both in you know what is it called and what is it responsible for, but also what are the shifts and how they're operating and what they're acting on within organizations. So thank you for sharing some of the findings today. So listeners, there are a few other trends and findings and some really interesting data points in this piece of research as well. So if you're interested to see more, check out the show notes where we'll have a link to the report, which is titled Design Teams in 2020, Evolution and Expansion. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next week. 